Welcome to episode 20 of More Than Just Maps. I'm your host, Ollie Powers. This podcast was created with the intent to help anyone in the GIS field get from where they are now to where they want to be, be that your first job, a career move, or just improving your GIS game overall. On this week's episode, I conclude my interview with Brett Clark of Nearmap. We dive into how to use some of the sales skills Brett learned over the years to benefit not just your career, but almost anything you're working on, from fighting for a seat at the table to getting buy-in from other departments. We also talk about how starting from the bottom up helps to push your projects and goals along. And finally, for those who are new to GIS, we grab some tips about how to get more than just your foot in the door and learn about this vast industry. Welcome to More Than Just Maps. I'm back with my second episode with Brett Clark. Thanks for coming back, Brett. Absolutely. So last time we talked about how you kind of got into NearMap and, and started construction management and then went into advertising and then ended up near map and we talk a lot about the benefits of near map and how you guys um, have kind of changed the industry for aerial image imagery there's a lot of stuff in that episode um <laughs> but let's let's move more onto onto the career focus here i'm sure as you move through the different stages of your career and before you got to near map there's there's a lot of lessons that you learned in general since you started in sales and, and you weren't really in GIS, you've got some things there that anybody in GIS can learn from. One of the big things that I've learned throughout my career is that not only are we responsible for the technical side of GIS and understanding how projections work and how, how the data works and how the software works and how to do different types of analysis, we also need to sell our own skills and our own products that we're producing for whether it's government or private sector or NGO, whatever it is, you need to justify your spot at the table. So I think you can, you can definitely give us a few tidbits on helping those in GIS who are not necessarily salespeople help to get that spot at the table. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually a a great point and, and topic to start out on. That's become one of our unique kind of fine, finer tuned selling points uh, that we use as a team within our business to, to be candid and to speak openly. There are many people in local government who use GIS and they don't know it, uh, or they could be using GIS and they just don't know what it is or where to find it. Uh, a great example of that that we run into a lot would be public safety. You know, man, I'm trying to respond to these 911 calls. We're trying to do this event planning. My officers are pulling up Google Earth. And anytime I hear that, by the way, I, my stomach churns because I'm just thinking. Oh, mine too. <laughs> whatever, whatever, right? Whatever you have yeah. is going to be better than Google Earth. I assure you, it's a, we find, we have found that near map in particular, but I'm, I'm sure aerial imagery in general is a great segue because it is visual if, I mean, think about it. If you're planning for a major event, let's say a political rally or something, officers are looking at uh, ingress, egress points. They're looking at view sheds or lines of sight. They're looking at uh, evacuation routes, where to position officers, all that good stuff. If they see a really clear map with good detail or data on it, that's going to draw them in. And we found that imagery in particular and visualization is a common language everyone can consume. They might not be able to speak it, but they can consume it because everyone can look at an aerial image and say, that makes sense to me. 
But if they're looking at a LiDAR cloud, or if they're looking at just a, a basic uh, vector layer, that's going to go over a lot of people's heads. And so an image says a lot. We find that uh, the classic statement, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words is very true. But in this day and age, it's worth many more dollars than just a thousand words. And it can sometimes mean someone's life being saved or not, you know. For sure. uh, Especially with like what you were saying with the public sector. Yeah. The um, public safety. Public safety, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right now, every single 911 call in the city of Chicago, of which there's between 13 and 15,000 calls every day. It's a lot of calls. Uh, over five, yeah, over <laughs> 5 million a year. Every one of them routes using our imagery as a base map. And it has helped dramatically in their ability to respond and stay on top of things just because there's better situational awareness. That's a GIS at work, right? Through aerial imagery and the combination of geolocating and having address data and all of that, that's GIS at work. So I would say if you're trying to strengthen your position at the table, rely on, on good data, but dumb it down. And, and that's something that I try to talk to my team about. I, I want them to be good listeners, not necessarily great talkers. I want them asking a lot of questions and being inquisitive because it's in listening and seeking to understand that you connect with people. And I think that is very pertinent for GIS. And so if you're keeping an open ear and trying to think of creative solutions to things that may be questions that might not even be voiced out loud, but just listening to situations that can be pretty key. You know, we've heard of situations where an analyst can go and say, I think I can help with that problem. You're having issues with uh, this particular citizen who has a 10 acre property and you have strong suspicion that they're dumping materials, but you don't have a way to access the property, things like that. I think I have a way that I can help or whatever it might be that I think can strengthen a position of GIS at the table because we find time and time again that and I've been in many a meeting where I'm going in there as the quote unquote sales guy for near map and the GIS person is coming in and we're presenting to a group that doesn't use either really. And it actually ends up that the GIS person is doing more selling than I am because, <laughs> because they're like, you know what? We already have that solution you're looking for. It's, yeah. it's in our enterprise GIS system. And the other department heads just thinking, I never knew that. Yeah. So what so about the situation it, where, um, because this is still pretty common, where mm -hmm. you have, you know of a problem, the department or whoever you're dealing with, they don't really, they don't really see it as a problem. You've already come up with a solution and they don't want to hear it. They're not interested. They don't think they have a problem. How do you handle kind of one of those situations? Because that's something that that'll come up with sales, you, you, like, either whether cold calling or within an, an organization itself, you'll be like, Hey, uh, we can, we can do this here. And nobody wants to hear about it, even though it'll be something that will save time and money in the long run. But this is the way we've done it. And this is the way we're always going to do it. Oh man. Yeah. As a quick aside, whenever I hear someone say, this is the way we've done it, or this is just how we do things. That is just, it makes my, my blood curdle. Uh, that right? is <laughs> never a good reason to do anything yeah. at all. I. Uh, be open to change because sometimes it's better. Yeah, that's that's a great question and a, and a complex problem. What I try to do often is using it, and my team, if they listen to this, will laugh because they hear me use this term a lot. And that is triangulation. 
So what I mean by that is uh, referencing two or three different data points or stories, what have you, to build or increase confidence and openness with that person. So when we're out doing sales, it makes sense for us. For example, in the Dallas-Fort Worth region where you're located, uh, we now work with the North Central Texas Council of Governments. It makes sense for us if we're talking to a county or city saying, you know what, we actually work with NCTCOG. We also work with the city of Grapevine or the city of Arlington. That starts to you know, ping between those different areas who are their neighbors, quote unquote, and it increases their confidence that, you know what, it's okay that I talk with, with these people. I think GIS can do that. And in this scenario, I could say, you know what, let's say I have a curmudgeon in the Department of Public Works that just, I know I can help them, but they don't, they haven't asked for it and they're just kind of against it. Yeah. It might make sense to go to public safety and, and draft up just a quick one sheet on what they're doing and then go to other groups that you support and maybe get little statements or perhaps even say, I, I want to do like a, a group roundtable discussion or something and invite that, you know, the public works people that maybe are, are less open to, to listening to the table to build a sense of, look, for public safety, we've been doing this. This is how we've been supporting, you know, code enforcement, what have you, and really start to build up that sense, that feeling of consensus throughout the different departments. And, and a little bit of it is kind of making, in this analogy, DPW feeling a bit behind or left out. That's okay. That's an okay emotion to generate. Part of it can also build a sense of, wow, we've got some momentum here. That might open my eyes. And I've seen that work before, where it's you create a sense of community and momentum and excitement it's less about you, the person trying to force something. It's more about, you know, wow, we could really feel empowered to use this for our department as well. It's tough. It doesn't always work. We get a lot of no's. That's just part of sales. We get a lot of, a lot of people saying, well, it, we just do it a different way, right? Or they, they, throw, they throw up arguments to me like, well, we really need survey grade imagery, which let's be real. Okay. Survey grade. There's really not a lot of needs for that because what's more accurate, your image that is, you know, two inch RMSE, but it's a year and a half old yeah, or an image that is maybe 10 inch RMSE, but it's three weeks old. What's, what's more realistic and accurate of what's actually out on the ground. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with the more temporally accurate image than something that supposedly is within just a few inches. Um, and generally that I would figure be like for a project specific, you're not going to want survey grade imagery for an entire region. Some, some people claim that they do, but again, okay. that's just them kind of sticking their foot in their, in the ground, right? Because yeah. that's their thing that they can own. Yeah. And that's okay. That's, that's fine. They'll come around. But I, I would say if there are GIS professionals stuck like in, in that position in the city, really highlighting the work that has been done with other departments or maybe enlisting other departments to help you crack that department open yeah. and get them using it, help them feel empowered. Uh, yeah, that, that's proven successful before. 
Nice. So how would you go about, okay, so you've got the buy-in from, from your top level. Um, and now things are going to go further down the food chain. And now we've got resistance from the guys at the bottom. How would, how would you help somebody overcome that? Or how have you overcome that kind of issue? Because that's definitely, I used to work for another company and we, we did software that was using GIS and our clients, we would help them implement these softwares. And it's always the guys at the bottom who didn't want to have anything to do with it. Even though the top had their directors and, and everybody else had bought in, but the bottom part didn't want to do it. And if they weren't going to do it right, it wasn't going to work. So how do you solve that kind of, or how have you seen that kind of problem be solved before? Sure. Sure. Just say the boss said you had to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> it does work sometimes, but not for very long. As soon as your back's turned, they, they go back to it. <laughs> No, totally kidding. Don't do that. Uh, so, so two parts to that response. And the first one I want to highlight uh, is kind of a meteor one. If you're going about it that way, I think you, you set yourself up for failure at the outset. And what I mean by that is I rarely start at the top. Even as a director, if I were to, if let's say one of my team says, I really want to talk to uh, the city of Pittsburgh, you know, for example. Yeah. I'm not going to be reaching out to the CTO. I'm not going to be reaching out to directors. I am reaching out to more of those people in the trenches. I think a bottom-up approach works better for, for this reason. If I can get those uh, users, the end users, and the managers or directors of the end users to be bought in, it bubbles up quite nicely and turns the heads of people at the top, if we're, we're speaking about organizations that way. Because often the people at the top uh, either have never done the job of the people that they're managing well below them, or it's been so long that they're out of touch with how the job's done now. And so they lean heavily on the managers of frontline in the trenches employees to tell them how money should be spent or what makes sense and what does not. So I recommend a bottom-up approach. So if you're going back to Department of Public Works, if you're wanting them to use it, I would be going to the engineers, to the designers, to those frontline employees, rather than going to the department head of engineering uh, if you're trying to get things adopted. Personally, I think that that bubbles up very well. And I, that's where I've seen the most success. They're more willing to talk to you. Granted, they don't, in our case, control budget or, or decisions, but they definitely carry a lot of influence. So that's the first part. If you're stuck at that, uh, where it's, okay, management is bought in and they've, they've purchased this or they're, they're wanting to implement this, get to the bottom as quick as you can and get them bought in and seek adoption you know, of whatever tool or program going in and saying, you know what, let me host a lunch and learn. Lunch is on me. Let's get in a room. You know, let's, let's do lunch or let's talk about how this can work, you know, because this is something that management uh, has put in place. This is why, and really get them to buy in. Uh, it can be a little harder during COVID times. So it might need to be that you make things insanely easy for them to adopt. But part of that adoption is going to come back to what I was talking about earlier. And that is being a great listener, asking questions and going into those people and saying, how do you do your job right now? and understanding what we call the situation, understand the current situation, and then ask them questions about their ideal state. Okay, this is what you're doing now and how your job is now. If you were king for a day, how would that change? What, what could make your day-to-day -day better? 
How would you want it built? What would you want this map to look like? How could the interface be easier or more effective for you? And from there, taking that input and then building out a solution or tweaking it. People want to feel heard. When they put up a, a defense, it's because they're feeling territorial, they're feeling threatened, and they have not been included. They don't feel part of that. If you can get their feedback and get their buy-in and implement some of their feedback and show evidence that you listened, that's going to win them over and it's gonna stick. And then they're gonna go from being a detractor to being a champion for you. And that's, that's where it spreads like wildfire. I've seen that time and again at Nearmap uh, with our interactions with local government and with GIS. People just wanna know you listened and they wanna take some ownership in something that gets implemented. And it, it just, it works. That's, that's how I would approach it. That's a fantastic answer, I love that. All right. So another question, because you didn't start in the geospatial industry and you kind of worked your way into it from, from not so traditional fashion, what are some words of advice for somebody who's coming from outside this industry and who's suddenly either found an interest in it or has found themselves just like, Hey, you're in here now. Um, what can you tell them about learning and, and just how it was for you to, to be thrown into this new type of industry and learn all the lingo and the jargon and how everything interconnects and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, get away while you can. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, I, I love it. I love it. I, you know, I would say going back, it's a key theme. I would just say, you know what, listen, be open. And if there's one thing I've learned with the GIS industry in particular, that is, uh, there's a lot of passion in this industry. Yes, uh, there is. <laughs> more, and that's great. That's what makes it so fun and engaging. I've, you know, I'll come clean. A lot of people have this stigma about government employees, for example. You know, it's good enough for government work. They come in, they're lazy, they're old school, blah, blah, blah. I have not found that to be true at all. Which uh, is a huge thing for, I remember when I first started working local government, I actually felt really bad because I was just like, everybody's going to think I'm this lazy employee. And anybody who knows me knows I am the exact opposite of lazy. Um, <laughs> get a and, bad rap. And <laughs> I, always, I always felt awful. And it took me a long time to get over that. Like, hey, just because there's this stigma doesn't mean it's true. And you decide... What, what you're going to do. You decide to show up every day and put in the effort that you're going to put in. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, and I have not found that stigma to be true. I found, I found, especially in the GIS world, people are very passionate. They're very eager. Uh, and they're really forgiving. And what I mean by that is when you don't know something, it's not, well, you should know this. It's, Okay, well, let me tell you, let me kind of explain to you. They're very eager to educate. And it's not coming from a superiority complex. I know this and you don't. Ooh, ah. It's not that. It's, I really want you to know this. I want to share with you what this means. Yeah, at the most basic level for our new employees, I want to share with you the difference between raster and vector and why that's important. And so for people coming into it, do not be afraid to ask questions. Because more often than not, way more often than not, people are going to be eager and passionate to help you rather than just be like, well, you got to figure it out. Or, you know, you should already know this. I've just not, I, I've, 
almost never had that experience within talking to GIS people. I definitely have had that experience, but it was once. Once. It was once. Well, at one company that I worked at, it it was not, it was not a great experience for me, but anywhere else I've been, everyone has been incredibly helpful. Like you've been said, they wanting to share their knowledge. They want to help educate you. They want to help you get better at what we're doing because there's passion in it, in this industry. Um, Yeah. Be resilient, (laughs) you know, just be resilient. Uh, If it does come up where people are a little sticky about that, I would just say be resilient. How would you recommend to to be resilient? Just kind of ignore what they're doing and and continue through, just understand, or what what would you recommend to be resilient? Sure. I mean, if there was a scenario where someone's like, well, you should already know this. I would say, you know what? I would lean into it if I ever ran into that situation. And I would kind of start laughing because I'm naturally a self-deprecating person anyway. That's I, I provide people a lot of source material to be the butt of the joke, and that's okay. Uh, and I'd say, you know what? You are absolutely right. I should know this, and I don't. But that's why I'm asking you, because I've heard or I've seen and observed that you're a person that would know, and I want to hear it from you. I want to hear how this works or what this means from you, not from somebody else, not from a Google search, but I want to hear it from you. And then you flip the script in that case because you've not gotten offended. You haven't responded emotionally, but you've kind of, you've put them on the spot to say, you're saying I should know this, but I want to hear that you know it. And I want to learn it your way. You're tapping into their pride a little bit and that's okay. But it's, it's also putting it back on them and saying, yeah, I should teach me. And if they're still unwilling then go back, figure it out yourself, come back and bring it up jokingly. We're just, Hey, I learned what it is. And I'm glad that you, you forced me to go learn it for myself uh, and kind of report back, not throwing it in their face, obviously, but you know what? I learned it. And I, and I appreciate that you didn't give it to me. And I just wanted you to know that I learned what it is. And that also that, shows another, that shows a willingness to go do the work, which is important too. If someone knows that, hey, you don't know this now, but but they can see that you're willing to go put in the work and figure it out, that's just going to raise you in, in their eyes anyways, because they know they can trust you to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it shows that you're resilient. You didn't crumple under that pressure or whatever. You actually responded really well. Uh, and I've had people uh, respect me for that, for doing that, uh, when there's been times where they start off a bit prickly, you know, sometimes people put up that defense to just to see how people will react. And mm-hmm. if you, if you react resiliently or in good humor, that can usually break down barriers. And uh, so that's what I meant by being resilient. That's awesome. These, these are all really good points. This was this was amazing, Brett. Thank you so much. Um, I loved having your insight on that. Um, loved digging into near map a little bit. That was a lot of fun learning all the ins and outs, except for the uh, the the love and spice secret. Uh, <laughs> said that was a lot of fun, and just just your knowledge in general on on how to conduct yourself and when you're thrust into a new industry. It, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate being invited to be on. It's great chatting with you. You too. Thanks.